Hello, welcome to Cheese the Day, the official cheese cast of the North Coast Co-op, brought to you by Ooey Gooey Creamline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll explain that later. My name is Veronica. I am the cheese department head at the North Coast Co-op in Arcata, and I'm here with my fellow cheese nerd. I'm Thomas. I'm the cheese department head in our Eureka Co-op. What are we talking about today, Thomas? We're talking about gooey, gooey cream lines now. Yeah. That's all we're talking about. We're going to talk about some basic cheese vocabulary. First of all, rind. What is a rind? I like, okay, we're just diving in. This, this yeah. is the format. Yeah. Rind. Noun. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Just kidding. Uh, the rind, uh, that's an easy one. That's uh, always going to refer to the outside of the cheese. Not necessarily the outside of the cheese as you buy it, but the outside of the cheese as it was made. Yes. For example, we sell a lot of wedges of cheese, so it's got that rind just along usually one yeah. surface, sort of running along the top and, and back of that wedge. And the rind protects the cheese, and it can be hard and dry like Parmesan, or it can be a bloomy rind, mm-hmm. and it can be a washed rind. We'll get into more details about those things. Um. Cheeses, soft cheeses like mozzarella don't have a rind. The hard coating on Gruyere is a rind, although you don't get much of that when you get a chunk of Gruyere. There's a lot of cheeses that we sell that I think previously had a rind that's missing now once it's 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 been sold. Uh, I I know I've got some British cheddars that originally had a natural rind on them, Mm -hmm. and then that's been shaved off as it was blocked down for for sale to me at the wholesale level. Yeah. So the customer never even sees that rind, but it existed yeah. once upon a time. Some rinds are really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I think in a previous episode, we we called out Telegio as looking like an old construction brick. Mm-hmm. But I find it's it can be a really pretty surface, just full of all kinds of interest I, and patina. Yes. And speaking of bloomy rinds, which is that moldy, fluffy, white layer on the outside of brie that actually helps ripen the cheese and makes yeah. it a, uh, a surface-ripened cheese that ripens from the outside in. A really b- beautiful cheese is the uh, the Brebis d'Effanois. Yeah. I love it when I open up one of those bricks and it it's like fluffy, rolling, tiny hills and it's kind of reticulated. And yeah, like that's a, a good brain, word for it. Brain-looking surface. It's beautiful. It has a really unusual pattern to the way the mold grows. You can also see the rack that it was aged on in the cheese cave. There are these mm-hmm. little parallel indentations in the cheese from yeah. from a wire or maybe a yeah. reed mat. Those that it, cool it signs of it in the aging being made. Yeah, it's, you can see you can see the history of it as a <laughs> as a product and a living thing. Yeah, definitely yes. a living thing. So, and also sometimes when we're talking about cheese, we say things like paste. Well, oh, that's another good one. Paste isn't like the stuff you used in kindergarten to stick things to things. It's, although you probably could with cheese. Um, you could make cheese glue. <laughs> I, I think, think you've talked, talked about, about that cheese once. glue. Yeah. Anyway, the paste <laughs> refers to any part of the cheese that's not the rind. Yeah, so the inside, the interior. Uh, I one of, one of the cheese clerks in Eureka often refers to that like like the center cut of salmon like like the interior of the cheese is his favorite his favorite parts mm. they were inside and protected and on a on a cheese with a, a hard rind like on a parmesan mm-hmm. where it's sort of a gradient from hard to soft the stuff in the interior 
is the the softest, creamiest. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes there's a crack in the center of the cheese because of the way it ages. Yeah. Like it'll shrink up more on the outside and faster because it's aging from the outside, drying, and then the inside is still kind of a little creamy. Yeah, sometimes interesting things happen with rinds and aging. Some of the bloomy rinds we cut open sometimes will find a little pocket on the inside of the cheese where there was like an air bubble, and that's covered in rind now. Like there was mm-hmm. just a little tiny microclimate environment. Yeah, a little. Almost like a burl on a, on a tree. Yeah. Hmm. It's a very natural, very living product that <laughs> it can sometimes surprise you when you cut it open. It is. It's really... It's really pretty cool. You don't know sometimes what you're going to get to see when you open up no. a wheel of cheese. Um, as I said before, cream line. So it's only found on bloomy rinded cheeses and sometimes washed rinded cheeses. And it's the it's that gooey layer in between the bloomy rind and then the, the, the paste in the center of the cheese. Yeah. I talked about proteolization earlier, the breaking down of the proteins in the milk anyway the cream line as the mold is getting in (laughs) the cream line is lovely and it's really apparent on cheeses like Humboldt Fog and Truffle Tremor and and those Cypress Grove cheeses that we have in the case you can see it really clearly if you look at the cross section there's you can see moldy rind and on Humboldt Fog there's that little gray layer of ash Mm -hmm. and And then everything between that gray and and that that distinction that little that ooey goozy yeah. ooey gooey. I like mm. goozy. We can add goozy. that to the list of, of cheese yeah. monger oh. words. I love that part of the cheese. And some some people are turned away from that and they want like the youngest, most unripened piece, but oh that gooey part. Yeah. And for the people that are drawn to that, uh, there are some cheeses that are just all cream line now, like like our French brie a, a brie. Is, is essentially a cheese that th- those cream lines started on the outside and grew and grew and grew and got wider until they just met in the middle and it was all cream line now. Oh, it's so good. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Bloomy rind cheeses like uh, Brie and Camembert. And that's the cheese that had mold, usually Penicillium candidum or Penicillium cambertii, added during the cheese making process as the cheese is ripened. Then that mold sprouts all over the surface of the cheese. And uh, we sell various cheeses that are at various points in that process. So we mentioned Humboldt Fog already. Mm -hmm. That's sort of early on in that process. That mold hasn't been growing as long. And you can tell how long, to a certain extent, how long it's been growing based on, like, the size of that cream line. Yeah. it, It can create the cream line faster or slower, depending on other factors, probably. But Yeah, like humidity. But in general. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and that mold as it develops sort of ages a, a young... Sometimes we, there are cheeses out there that the mold isn't even completely covering the outside of the cheese, like Breberousse Argental. Mm-hmm. You can see that red color showing through from the rind underneath, and it's the mold is just sort of mottled on there. Yeah. Fluffy and delicate. And beautiful. It is beautiful. And then there's the washed rinded cheeses. The stinky boys. Oh, some of my favorites. I really, really love Cowgirl Creamery Red Hawk. That's one yeah, of my favorite great one. washed rind cheeses. I don't know why I needlessly gendered washed rind cheeses as being stinky boys. <laughs> I'd like to take that back. Just stinky cheeses. <laughs> um, so, yeah, washed rinded cheeses are, they're washed. Uh, they're, like, scrubbed down. 
mm-hmm. with a salty brine on some cultures, sometimes alcohol to lend some other extra flavor. And uh, it invites a stinky bacteria to then adhere to the cheese. Yeah, it creates and it, that. And then it has that orangey pink color that, I don't know, if you don't know what it is, looks like the cheese has gone very, very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I, if I saw that color on other cheeses that weren't washed rind cheeses, I would correctly presume that something has gone very wrong. Yeah. But in these cheeses, they're specifically creating that environment yeah. for these uh, brevibacterium linens or linens. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say linens, but... I want to say linens. That's exactly how it's spelled. Linens, like bed linens. Now I'll have to Google that, too. Um, so had these cheeses like uh, Cowgirl Creamery Red Hawk not been washed, they would have turned into blueberry-rinded cheeses, mm-hmm. like a, a brie or a camembert. And uh, I, I feel like my understanding of it is that uh, the washing process prevents other things from growing mm-hmm. while that brine tolerant or, or while that bacteria that's tolerant of being washed, mm-hmm. those brevibacterium linens, while those are growing, before those have a chance to get started, they're washing other things off that they don't want there. So undesirable molds, right? possibly uh, other bacteria, they're, they're killing all that stuff off to create this very special environment. Yes. So those cheeses have a really different flavor than I feel yeah. like you can achieve otherwise. Yes. And they are repeatedly washed and kind of handled and taken care of. And that is affinage, which is another cheese term. And that's all about the art of aging and ripening cheeses. And it is considered the most work involved in the process of cheese production. And that adds expense to the finished cheeses. Yeah. A cheese like a a heavily washed rind cheese, you... uh, a cheese that involves a lot of affinage, that yeah. cheese has to be babied along and, yeah. and preserved and taken care of and sort of shepherded to its final state by an expert. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and if it's and if it is if the cheese experience affinage to promote nice age and flavor, the longer it needs that pampering and babying, the more expensive it's going to be. Really. Yeah. That's kind of the that's sort of the reason for some of those prices that end up in the cheese case that you see. We're like, oh, well, why isn't this the same price as Jack? Yes, Monterey Jack is a, a lot easier to make and a lot yeah. faster to make. You can make it in vast quantities pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, it the, doesn't require yeah. so much babysitting. Or you don't have to, to gently wash it. <laughs> um, other terms you might read or hear about things like rennet. So when you look on a label. And look at the ingredients, and it says animal rennet. It's referring to stomach acid, like calf stomach acid, which, of course, some uh, vegetarians <laughs> would have issue with. And not just vegetarians. I know a lot of folks that uh, don't really appreciate the use of calves for food. They, they may eat full-grown cows, but they draw the line at, at baby animals oh, there's a or whole... young animals. That's a, that's a whole can of worms. That's a whole can of worms. I kind of want to talk about that in another time, although okay. it could probably be upsetting to some people. But um, we'll get to that in another episode. <laughs> Don't worry, folks. We'll upset you later. We're, we'll upset you with information maybe you didn't want to know later. Um, 
There's so much out there. There, there is. Um, <laughs> other kinds of rennet can be made, uh, vegetable rennets and microbial rennets, which I, I feel like a lot of basic like American cheeses are made with vegetable rennets yeah. instead of animal rennets. And that the rennet is the enzyme that separates the solids, so it separates the curds from the whey. Yeah, and that action, you add, you add it to the milk and, and hey, presto, you've got cheese curds after some yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's really like the, the magic ingredient. That's the meat of it. That's the, yeah. the in the, the first cheese making uh, steps. Yeah, and I feel like I want to point out about rennet that uh, the vegetarian versions, the microbial rennets that are plant-based mm-hmm. or, or microbe-based, uh, I find those by far the more common option in American Mm -hmm. cheeses, certainly. And in in quite a few European cheeses, I I think that unless for a lot of name protected cheeses, they specify, oh, you have to use animal rennet because that's traditional in Europe. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think there's some, some debate, especially for cheeses that are intended to be more aged that, um, Cheeses made with animal rennet hold up better and end up with a better final flavor I've heard for that the product. Too. Yeah, I don't know. I need to for do more reading cheeses. about that. I think there's some debate. I've also read. Uh, I don't know how true this is. I'm sure the price fluctuates, but I, I've read that, that vegetable-based rennets and microbe-based rennets are just a lot less expensive to get your hands on than an mm-hmm. animal rennet. Mm. Uh, they're just easier to produce and yeah. don't involve you know livestock of any kind. So that's convenient. Mm. Uh, so, for I think for a lot of, a lot of American manufacturers who don't necessarily care, you know, if it's for a, a cheese with a shorter shelf life, it doesn't necessarily matter if it's uh, going to hold up to, to aging. They don't need to make it into a Parmesan. But it's just sort of they're choosing the rennet that's most expedient. Mm. Probably. I don't know. I imagine, yeah. Have There's to some, do more reading on that. some budgetary concerns there. Um, some other words you might see on labels, things like Alpen style. Uh, any cheeses that are made in the style of old European mountain cheeses, like Gruyere or Comte. And uh, sometimes if an American cheesemaker is wanting to make something that comes close to Gruyere, but they can't call it Gruyere because that's a protected name, they'll call it Alpen style. And we have one uh, called Grand Cru. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a great one. That's pretty good. That's from Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, another word you might see is tome, and that's just a French word for a small wheel of cheese. Uh, we've got more. I think we need to take a break. Let's give the audience a little break. Yeah. To Here. enjoy this quick word. <laughs> Here's some words from our sponsor. Cheese the Day is the official cheese cast of the North Coast Co-op, your local member-owned and organic certified grocery store, where everyone is welcome. Now back to the cheese nerds. And we're back with more exciting <laughs> words from the cheese world. There will be a test. No. Take notes. No, no, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. What else? Farmstead. Sometimes you see the word farmstead on label packaging and wonder exactly what that indicates. And that indicates that that is a cheese made only from the milk sourced at that farm. So they don't source in milk from five different dairies and make that cheese. 
That's a really good one. Before I started working in cheese, I assumed when I saw Farmstead that it was just marketing. Yeah, it it looks like a marketing buzzword, and I think it kind of gets used like that a bit. But they can't say Farmstead unless it is cheese that is made. I would watch out for that distinction between Farmstead and Farmstead style. I've seen that listed on some cheeses. (laughs) Farmhouse? Farmhouse, Mm. yeah. Yeah. Similar sounding, but not the real deal. Uh, Sometimes you see things like double cream on the label, and that really pretty much is what it sounds like. It's a cheese that's been made with whole milk plus extra cream is added. You can see triple cream. Yep. I think I've seen quadruple cream cheeses. Quintuple cream. I've heard of quintuple cream. Yes, we have the... Deer Creek Farms yeah. Blue Jay at the Arcade Co-op. I don't have it here. It's a quintuple cream blue cheese. It's from Wisconsin. It's got crushed juniper berries in it. It is wonderful. So it, why might you want an extra helping of cream in the milk? Because so, so fat what, is delicious. Exactly. As you're <laughs> as you're adding that cream, double cream, triple cream, every time you do that, the fat content in the cheese is going up by a certain percentage. I mean, if you wanted to use blue cheese like butter, I think the blue yeah. jake would be your go-to. And that's got the the juniper berries in that are are not just flavor, they're also textural. There's like a little yeah, crunchy element to the juniper and berries I heard in there, which is fun. that when they were first making that cheese, they they just had like the whole juniper berries in it. Hmm. And oh. not enough of the flavor was was seeping into the whole paste of the cheese for flavor, and so they Mm. kind of crushed them a bit. So it's not like they're crushed and then mixed in, but you can tell when you look at that cheese that the juniper berries are mushed a little bit. They're still, like, all together in their form. A little bit muddled. Yeah, and it's not an overwhelming flavor of the juniper berries. No, it's not like... I, I when I think of overwhelming juniper flavors, I think like gin, and it's I don't get that vibe at all from it. It's it's still very creamy and blue cheese like. Yeah, it's it's a really delightful cheese. I think more people need to know about it. It really is. Um, can I can I suggest uh, a, a trio of cheese related vocab words that I think the distinctions between are would be rather important. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about pasteurization. In milk. Oh. And everything associated with that. So pasteurizing. I feel like <laughs> you, you learned about pasteurizing in high school, right? Like mm-hmm. The pasteur method. Yeah, the pasteur method. Yeah. So. Thank you, French scientists. Pasteurization is uh, the cheese has been made from milk that has been heat treated to kill potentially harmful bacteria, otherwise known as pathogens. Um, the the FDA accepts several temperature time combination as pasteurization, but the most common in cheese making are 161 degrees Fahrenheit for 15 seconds or 145 degrees Fahrenheit for 30 minutes or more. Um, so that difference surprised me. That's a wide time time range. time spent in temperature is important. Those who advocate for raw milk cheese argue that pasteurization kills potentially beneficial bacteria as well. And um, careful handling of the milk prevents contamination. So 
this is uh, this creates a lot of trouble for me when because people read about the benefits of raw milk and raw products and cheese made from raw milk. Mm-hmm. But uh, so this <laughs> this next description of raw cheese made from milk that has not been pasteurized. A milk product could be used labeled unpasteurized, which may mean it was heat treated, but not the amount of time mandated by the FDA in order to count as pasteurized. So then it's thermized. So, and the FDA says that if, okay, well, if you thermize the milk and make the cheese, then you can still label it as raw, but that misleads people that are looking for a raw milk product to think that they're getting all the benefits of a cheese that is actually made with really raw milk. A cheese that is fully probiotic still. Yeah. As, as the cow yeah. intended. So this is a problem. I, I feel like it's a problem in the U.S. And there's, you could really, really, really fall down the rabbit hole if you look this up. Um, yeah, pretty much the only way you're going to get raw, truly raw milk cheese is if you, like, make it yourself. Yeah, you need, you need your own cow, your own goats. Uh, not just... Not just in the U.S. I, I believe there are other localities elsewhere in the United States that uh, a manufacturer can create and sell a raw milk cheese locally. Uh, mm. Humboldt County, that's not true. Uh, yeah. you can't you can't make or sell any cheeses in this area. So, so definitely for our customers here, uh, we do and we we do have cheeses out in the cheese case that are sold to us as raw cheese, and we label them as raw milk, sharp cheddar, or Usually it's cheddars, I feel, yeah. labeled as raw cheese. Yeah. But those cheeses have almost definitely or definitely been thermized or heat treated in some way. Yeah. Um, and they will be... There are still cheese cultures in there, so technically, like, they were... I mean, when they made them, they were probiotic. Right. But not in the same way that the word raw, I feel like, conveys to a lot of people. Right. This is sort of like a little... A little dirty secret in cheese that I wanted yeah. to let people in on. And I'm pretty sure I have all my information right, but there are so many more details that we're not really touching on. But yeah. it's a complicated topic. It's a complicated topic and a, a legally mandated topic that where you can't, you can only use certain words in certain ways. Uh, and the FDA has got pretty tight regulations on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, on to more fun things. On to more fun things. Like terroir. Ooh, that's a good one. So it's a French term indicating taste of place or an undefinable character that the place a food or beverage is made imparts on the final flavor, texture, and appearance. So you hear terroir and wine, things like that. But it also can refer to cheese. Which is pretty cool. Cheese, meats, all kinds of food that are, are from a particular region. Uh, this should be a familiar term to a lot of our listeners. I believe we recorded an episode earlier on about terroir. Mm-hmm. Did we just talk about doing that? I think we did that. If this sounds familiar to we, it. I think we mentioned you, it. It, it, it might be there. a glitch in the matrix, but it might. this might be accurate. Mm. Yeah. There's one word on here that I did not know already. Most of these vocab words that we pulled, uh, this is all from a from a list that we found on the internet, uh, and they all looked familiar to me. But I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you already knew this word, transhumans. Mm-hmm. Had you heard of that already? Mm-hmm. I had never heard of that before. Yeah. Transhumans. Yeah. 
is the act of guiding animals to a better area for grazing. Yeah. Usually in a seasonal cycle. I'd heard of that practice, but I, I, I assumed it had its own word, I suppose. But I'd never, I didn't know the word. I, I love that word. That, to me, sounds like a word that would come up in a conversation about astral projection or something. <laughs> like, no, man, it, it, it transcends the human experience, oh. man. It's like transhumans. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, well, the next word that that refers back to that, which I actually kind of got to see when I was in France visiting my sister, Alpage. I think I'm saying that right. That Special right. version of transhumans found in the Alps where the cows are led up to the mountains to graze in the summer. And so when I got there in the fall, they were just, they had just moved the cows down from the higher mountains into the fields that were lower to graze on all that grass. and That's wonderful. Yeah. I have a recording of the sound of the cow's bells in the fields <laughs> at night. It's really cool. Uh, I talked to a wonderful customer a few years ago who was describing exactly this uh, from his childhood in Spain. Mm-hmm. When he described an area of Spain where just everyone had hundreds of sheep per person. It was a very low human population, high sheep population. Mm. And he described these sheepdogs that were trained to go up the mountain with the sheep. And they didn't send shepherds up there. They just sent the sheepdogs by themselves. And the sheepdogs would would go with the sheep up the mountain and do that every year. And the shepherds could call them down with whistles. And the sheepdogs knew, like, oh, it's time to go home. Time to pack up and go home. What would the dogs eat from in the mountains? I don't know. I assume... They were going up there to feed them. They just weren't with them on on a on the daily basis. They they wow. would, I assume hike up to feed the dogs. <laughs> that was my first thought. I what about them? What are the dogs going to eat? I like to imagine they weren't <laughs> eating the sheep. But no, 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 no. But it was a, a wonderful picturesque setting he described, yeah. and it was just, just such a lovely sounding. Yeah, I missed when I went to visit my sister. I missed they have like a parade that kind of celebrates bringing the cows back down into the lower pastures and they like Hmm. the cows get herded down through town like down through main street yeah there's like flowery garlands and just every every european hooray the cows are back in town yeah (laughs) that's wonderful i'm so kind of bummed i missed it but yeah uh we we should do it what uh, fun cheese words do we commonly use oh, in our departments? Yes. That... Fun cheese words. I didn't make a list. Did you make a I list? I wrote down a few things. So, okay. So what we just went through with you guys is a list of vocabulary words that those are official cheese terms. Right. But These are the unofficial kind of Sometimes, slang. Yeah. We have to describe <laughs> cheese to our especially most of the things they're used to describe flavors in cheese which are like ethereal sometimes they're hard yeah. to describe they're more right. and we'll use these ephemeral. words to describe to each other but we wouldn't necessarily use them with customers cuz it might be off-putting first one on my list this is one that you described uh, we we get the opportunity to taste cheeses in our on our day to day and back when I worked in the arcade store with Veronica she was tasting a cheese, but I still had I, I still needed to have clean hands and sanitize because I was I was still touching food product and I was wrapping cheese, 
And she was like, oh, I left a sample here for you. You'll like it. It tastes like a moldy hayloft, but in a good way. <laughs> and I had to wait 20 minutes to taste it. And I was sitting there thinking, moldy hayloft, but in a good way. I can kind of picture so like grassy notes. But, kind but of a like mustiness? Musty, stanky, grassy notes. Yeah. And it did. When I tasted it, I was like, oh, she was right. That is a hayloft in a barn on like... A humid day. Was it like a English cloth-bound cheddar? I want to say it was a washed rind cheese. Oh. It was, I forget which, it was a round of cheeses that we were tasting. We were tasting several that day. Hmm. Um, another description of a washed rind cheese. This is one of mine. Uh, the, I, I think it's Schloss. Mm-hmm. Veronica loves this cheese. She sells it in Arcata. Uh, I don't have it in Eureka. There's not a lot of washed rind cheeses here. I don't have Schloss right now, but I will bring okay. some back in Good. for the winter. I may I may bring it in here. See how washed rind cheeses do here. Schloss is made by Marin French Cheese Company. A great California cheese company. Mm-hmm. I love them. Yeah. Uh, I think Schloss tastes like the bottom of a pond. <laughs> but like a fancy pond. With ammonia in it? Mm. Is that what you're thinking? Not a pond with ammonia like in it. Overripe. It tastes not not overripe schloss. It just it has not so much the rind. I don't. Eat, I've never eaten the rind on schloss because I'm not I'm not brave enough for that. <laughs> uh, but the the paste of the schloss to me, ta- there's something about it that reminds me of like when you when you're walking through a pond and you're churning up that anaerobic bacterial environment in the Ooh. bottom of the pond. Whoa. But in a fancy, like, gourmet way. You know, it's just, it's those hints, but subtly. <laughs> kind of like a, a wine really, person might describe. I, I've heard some alcohols described as having, like, a, a wet diaper oh, note yeah. to them. Or they say, oh, this one really has cat pee. I'm like, ooh. Yeah. But... I don't know if I've tasted a wine like that yet. I've, I never have. Yeah. Yes. Uh, sometimes I'm compelled to describe Bulgarian feta as having a barnyard flavor. I think you're 100% right to describe it that way. I think 99% of normal humans would disagree with us. but Well, they don't want to describe it that way because it sounds no. dirty and uncomfortable. But, but like a clean barnyard with healthy, happy sheep that are, are wandering yeah. around. You can tell very definitely that's yeah. a sheep milk cheese. It's a sheep milk cheese. Uh, I've heard a lot of people describe that as a, a gamey flavor. Yeah, they're because they're too afraid to say meat. barnyard. Because <laughs> they're not cheesemonger enough to say barnyard. You know, they don't want to insult someone and say, that yeah. smells like a barnyard. But, but not, in a, not in the way that there's like lots of, of animal waste in the barnyard yeah. just there's something about it that can only be described as like the smell of livestock mm-hmm. and in sheep's milk cheeses i think that's especially apparent because sheep smell very much when they're walking around like they're fat you know their wool is the full lanolin. of lanolin yeah and sheep's milk cheese is full of that fat yeah which has a very distinct smell and a very distinct flavor i like it i love it yeah. A lot of people love it. It's just delicious, but very hard to describe in a way that sounds appealing. Yeah, kind of like pecorino. Salty, greasy sheep tit. <laughs> I've written that one down, too. That was actually going to be my next Veronica gem. Salty, greasy sheep tit. Yeah. That 
really describes it. Uh, but it's such I, a good cheese. It's always in my fridge. It's one of my favorites. I always have some. Euphoria was described to me before I had tasted it by a friend of mine, back way before I was working in cheese. They described Euphoria as tasting like you'd imagine an udder would taste. Wow. Yeah. And I thought, how much time have you spent imagining how an udder would taste? This is the first time it's ever coming up for me. Is this something that everyone else is doing? Am I normal? I feel like Euphoria tastes more refined than that. I feel like it does, too. I never really understood what she was getting at, but... I think it really captures that difficulty of explaining flavors to other people. Salty, creamy, we all get those. Acidic, we can talk about that. Sour. Mm-hmm. But there's only so many taste buds you have, and there's so many flavors. Yeah. You know, we can describe the broad strokes of a flavor, but describing the subtleties of something. Well, and everybody's taste buds are different, so your experience of these cheeses might yeah. be a little different. There's even an official cheese term on our list of uh, cheese vocab words that's used in the industry by a lot of people. Smear ripened to describe a wash rind cheese. Mm-hmm. Which I, I'm fine if that falls out of favor. Because smear ripened just doesn't sound it's No. Not, it's not a good no one wants to put that on their official packaging. No. We proudly smear ripen our cheese. <laughs> that's, that it doesn't, doesn't good. It doesn't have good Can we do one more? Uh, this is my favorite. I want to end on my favorite one. My favorite cheese description I've ever heard as a description of a flavor. You told me about this one. Uh, this was a description of Domaine du Village, mm-hmm. uh, which is a cheese. I, I carried it during the holidays, and I probably will again these these holidays. And uh, the, re- the whole reason I ordered a wheel, the whole reason I wanted to taste it is because it was described as a cheese that you would leave your boyfriend for. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. And you told me about that description. And then for a while after that, we were just like, are you going to order the boyfriend cheese? I'm going to order the boyfriend yeah, cheese. We need to no, have yeah, this we cheese. We need to try it. I, I don't even care. That has to be tasted. I have to know how good this cheese was. <laughs> and I have to say, I think that person was right. That was a great cheese. And I think the more aged the cheese becomes, the more... Yeah. The more... The stronger the feeling that you'd leave your boyfriend for that cheese. <laughs> it certainly it depends on the boyfriend, but it's so. It also depends on the cheese. I mean, almost, the cheese is in the running. It's really rich and really creamy, but it's yeah. almost. It's a bloomy kind of, rind. It's almost kind of fluffy. Yeah, it's cupcake-like in a way. Yeah. It was just so good. And it's it's one of those things we got to order it from France. It's a bloomy rind, so it doesn't last that long. Right. I did have a, the last little bit of the wheel spoiled in the case during the holidays, wow. so I was like, okay, this is getting ammoniated. It's time to pull it. I'm not going to order another one. This is a holiday special. Yeah. But I really look forward to the holidays again, so that yeah. I can have boyfriend cheese again. Sometimes. If I don't get right on it and cut that cheese into wedges right when it comes out of the cooler, mm-hmm. maybe it sits for 20 minutes before I can get to it. And if it's a really ripe one and I don't know how oh, ripe yeah. it is, and then trying to cut it, oh my gosh, it's like damage control. There is no yeah. wrapping that. It's in like the trying wrap. to cut what whipped cream with a yeah. knife. Like, yes. 
It's it is. just not happening. And then I just end up pulling out tubs and yeah. packing. I have to pack just cheese and tubs. just spoon it into containers. Because I can't. There's no wrapping that. Oh, such that a is, good cheese. It is the best. <laughs> when, it's, when it's unmanageable, it's best. All right. That concludes today's episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you're interested in any of these cheeses we've talked about today in the podcast, I think there's quite a few, come visit our cheese department at either of our two stores located at 811 I Street in Arcata or 2025 4th Street in Eureka. Sorry, I'll stop making faces at Veronica. <laughs> Please follow the North Coast Co-op on Facebook and Instagram or visit us at northcoast.coop. That's spelled out C-O-O-P. If you want more cheese content and would like to subscribe to our email list, please visit northcoast.coop slash cheese. Uh, fun things our email list will include are things like cheese wisdom from the co-op cheese nerds, hand-picked cheese recommendations, upcoming cheese department news and events, exclusive deals on cheese, and early access to new and exciting cheese. New and exciting. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks everyone. Bye-bye.